Inspired by the C.S. Lewis book, Mere Christianity, this podcast is about why I believe what I believe. Welcome to Bear Christianity. Epistemology is the branch of philosophy concerned with questions about knowledge and belief. Basically, epistemology is how do we know what we know. Today's episode is about canon epistemology, or how can we know what books make up the canon of Scripture. Now, just a reminder, canon... I'm talking about what I'm talking about here is spelled C A N O N and refers to the list of books in the Bible. The canon, uh, which refers to like a big gun in war, is spelled C A N N. So two N's in the middle there, O N. Okay. So the canon of Scripture is the list of books that are in the Bible. And different religions will have different canons. And so how do we know, how do Protestants know that the canon we have is correct? Now, in previous episodes, I've asserted that I believe, along with the Reformers, the concept of sola scriptura, or scripture alone. In a quote I shared last week, John MacArthur defines sola scriptura this way, the Reformation principle of sola scriptura has to do with the sufficiency of scripture as our supreme authority in all spiritual matters. Sola scriptura simply means that all truth necessary for our salvation and spiritual life is taught either explicitly or implicitly in Scripture. All right, so that's a great quote there from John MacArthur. In my research, I kept coming across two main arguments that are used by Catholics against sola scriptura. One is that the Bible does not teach the concept of sola scriptura. I answered this question last week, and of course, I believe the Bible does teach it. Now, number two, Catholics will say that Protestants wouldn't even know what the canon of Scripture is without the tradition of the Roman Catholic Church. The Church is the reason we have certain books in the Bible, is is what Roman Catholics will say. So Catholics argue that the Bible itself does not tell us which books are Scripture. You don't open up your Bible and it's like this inspired page that's from God that says these are the books, right? And so if if there's not this uh, list inside of the Bible itself, and therefore an, then therefore an outside authority is needed. So this is the main focus today. And according to James White in his book, The Roman Catholic Controversy, this is the single best argument presented by Roman Catholicism against the doctrine of sola scriptura. And I must admit, the first time that I heard this question come up in a debate from a Roman Catholic, I had no clue. I like to sort of pretend that I'm the one in the debate and how would I answer and that sort of thing. I had no clue how I would have answered this, so I was anxious to hear the Protestant's response. And then once I heard it the first time, I still didn't quite grasp what was being uh, what was being said. I didn't fully understand it, and so the question still troubled me, and I did need further information to just kind of clarify what was being stated here by the Protestant. And, and, that, and in the debate, that was James White, of course. So this type of thing is at the core of why I wanted to start this podcast, to share my journey in understanding why I believe what I believe. So hopefully this episode is helpful. Now I'm going to mention a lot of resources here because this concept of sola scriptura, like I said, it's it's complex and also it, it's sort of a deep way of thinking about it. And so uh, so lots of resources that have kind of helped me along the way. Last week, uh, one of also one of my friends texted me and said, "What are the chances that James White would have an episode on sola scriptura on on his podcast slash YouTube channel?" the same day that I released one about Sola Scriptura on mine. And so I've mentioned Dr. James White several times before on this podcast. He covers 
a wide range of topics, but this Sola Scriptura episode that he just released last week covers a lot of the same stuff. I mean, you will hear almost word for word, not not word for word, but almost there, some of the arguments I'm making. And so why? Well, it's kind of like a child that says things like their parents. I've, I've listened and read a lot of his material, and he's very skilled in explaining himself and also a skilled debater. So, And he's debated top Roman Catholic apologist on pretty much every area of disagreement. So he's a great resource between Protestant and, and Protestant beliefs and Roman Catholicism. So a ton of my own research is guided by various topics that sort of come up in all these debates that I've listened to. Now, so check out the episode notes for a link to Dr. White's debates, and as well as a link to this this recent episode uh, on his um, podcast slash YouTube channel on Sola Scriptura. Uh, now, also last week, I sort of uh, went on a little bit of a rant <laughs> at the at the very end about you know why doesn't the Roman Catholic Church tell us the the their base tradition knowledge that I, I made this reference that they'll they'll say that tradition develops like an acorn into an oak tree and I said tell us what the acorns are that you know that's what we want to know because they just claim that this tradi- these traditions that you can't really find in the Bible they still claim that they're that the church has the authority to tell us what the apostolic tradition is and so I need to clarify that a little bit more and, and so the Roman Catholic Church has never told us anything that Jesus said or that the apostles have said that is outside of what is contained in Scripture. Okay, so so that's a huge point there. The, the Roman Catholic Church is claiming that this apostolic tradition, the teachings by the apostles, are different from what is found in Scripture, yet they will not tell us, they have never told us what those teachings are. They just simply say, you know what? They're, the the apostolic uh, the the apostles taught that the pope was infallible because that that is a tradition in the church, and we have defined it infallibly now. Well, they they will never tell us the the core of how that tradition even started or anything that the apostles supposedly passed down. So they just come up with this oak tree doctrine and they and we don't have the acorn we don't even know what the the roman hierarchy the pope and his magisterium we don't even know what they're looking into to develop this doctrine they'll never tell us that and that's a that's a huge problem for me now another resource and and, and also the reason i mentioned it there is uh, dr white covers that some in this uh this video I ju- that i just mentioned now another resource is the book Canon Revisited by Dr. Michael Kruger. And I'd like to implant a little phrase in your head. It's it's in mine too. It helps me remember Dr. Kruger. It is Canon Kruger. Canon Kruger. And that's Kruger, K-R-U-G-R. Michael Kruger is my go-to guy on all things related to Bible canon. If you ever wonder why we have certain books in the Bible, Dr. Kruger is excellent at explaining all that. So I've mentioned a few of his books in previous episodes, The Heresy of Orthodox is a book which combats the idea that early Christianity was this giant free-for-all, that all these different gospels were being written, and the Bible today is, is the, the only reason we have the Bible today is because the winners, so to speak, of the first few centuries included the books that they liked, but there was all these other 
gospels about Jesus as well. So it combats that that false idea. The other book that I've recommended previously was Surviving Religion 101, and Dr. Kruger wrote this for his daughter as she began college. And if you have a high school or college student in your family, this is an excellent book which answers some of the major questions regarding Christianity. I mean, it applies to everybody, but uh, it was specifically written for that that age group. Um, but uh, and it, it responds to some of the false teachings that are prominent in today's culture that you'll likely hear from college professors. Now, Canon Revisited is all about canon epistemology, which is what we're talking about today. And a lot of the content on today's episode, I, I may not be talking about it specifically, but sort of the ideas and the concepts are based on what Dr. James White has taught and what Dr. Michael Kruger have taught. So both are excellent resources on church history and canon-related stuff. Now, what if James White and Michael Kruger got together and talked about the canon of Scripture? Wouldn't that be great? Well, they did. So at a Christian conference called G3, they discussed that very thing, and I will link this in the episode notes as well. So I feel like I'm just doing a bunch of advertisements today, but there are tons of resources on this issue of sola scriptura because it is a massive issue, and it must be understood. If you're talking with, you know, we can't just live in this little Protestant bubble. We we have to know why we believe what we believe. And so if you do not have a proper view of Scripture and why we have Scripture, then you will be attracted to one of the many groups out there that are ready to tell you infallibly what Scripture is and what it means. The Roman Catholic Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, aka the Mormon Church, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Prophet Muhammad and, and Islam, all of these religions interpret Scripture for you because they claim Scripture alone is just not clear enough for you to understand. I mean, look at all the division. Look at all the Protestant denominations. That's what they'll all say. So Scripture alone is just not clear enough for you to understand. You need to follow another human delegate from God with the authority to tell you exactly what God wants you to hear. That's the claim of all these religions. If you just have the Bible, you can't possibly know what God wants you to know. You know, did God really say that? How can you be sure without having some authoritative source outside of the Bible? That's that's the claim of all these other religions. So all of these religions base their authority on the idea that God is speaking infallibly through them because, again, they'll say that Scripture alone is not clear enough. Now, you can connect with me at bearchristianity at gmail.com, or you can message me on Instagram at therealbearmartin. And this episode of Bear Christianity is sponsored by Child Car Cleanup. Most families have that one family car that is always dirty. Not so much on the outside, but the inside bears the remnants of the playroom. Happy Meal toys live under the seats long forgotten, and the cup holders each have a unique ecosystem of bubble gum and Jolly Rancher remains. If this describes your family car, you need the Child Car Cleanup. The Child Car Cleanup is a surgically mounted proprietary magnetic device implanted near the belly button of each child. While inside the car, anything the child holds close to the device is registered and magnetized as belonging to that child. Now, when they get out of the car, all of their junk sticks to them. Once inside the house, the child can simply remove the items and throw them in the trash. Bear Christianity listeners receive a free wife car cleanup when they use the coupon code Take It With You. The wife car cleanup magnetizes all Starbucks cups, so you always have a vacant cup holder. The child car and wife car cleanup. Get your family car back.
This commercial was not intended to reflect my own wife and kids, but I've heard that this is a problem for other people. I personally love cleaning out my family's car, and my wife's Starbucks addiction is not that bad. Details may vary. Some restrictions may apply. Did you know that scripture is theanustas, or God-breathed? If you listened to last week's episode, you heard me say it about 400 times, and I told you it would be important. In episode 16, I discussed the New Testament canon and gave some of the historical reasons the New Testament consists of the books that we have today. In those earlier episodes, my intended audience was was very general. Fellow Christians, atheists, it didn't matter. I was giving a defense for why some books were included in the canon and some were not. I did not take into consideration the theological implications of the canon. So I appealed mainly to historical data from the early church, which explains why some books were regarded as scripture and some were not. The early church already had the Hebrew Bible, or what Protestants call the Old Testament. And then over the first few centuries, various gospels and letters were circulated, and 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 that made up the New Testament. Now, again, check out episode 16 for more information on this. But is Scripture considered Scripture just because of historical data? Is Scripture considered Scripture only because the Roman Catholic Church tells us so? If, if that's the case, then how does anyone know what Scripture is until the infallible decree of the Roman Catholic Church? But if Scripture is God-breathed, then any concept of the canon of Scripture needs to start with God. That is so important. The canon of Scripture and how we know the canon is a theological issue first. It was God's eternal purpose to give us Scripture. It is His work. And just like any author knows their own canon, even before anyone ever reads one of their books, God, the author of Scripture, knew the canon from eternity past. God knew the canon as his prophets and apostles wrote. Before a church council agreed on a list, God knew the canon of Scripture because all of Scripture is theanustas. It is God-breathed. Now, here's a huge point, but you've got to think a little bit. Because Scripture is God-breathed, that means that canon and Scripture are part of the same revelation. They are not different revelations. They are not separate. God did not reveal at a certain time the you know, various books and then at a different time reveal which books were Scripture. God did not inspire a bunch of books to be written and then also reveal that only a certain part of that those books are considered Scripture. The books that God inspired equals the books that we have in the canon because God wanted us to have his inspired or God-breathed books. So if, it, if we start with God, if we say God is the reason we have Scripture and Scripture is God-breathed, then God will make that Scripture available to us. That, that is God's purpose in writing Scripture. God does not need a library of his own stuff in heaven to know what he himself said. He, he wrote, he gave us scripture because God is revealing himself to us in scripture. So if we don't have a certain book available to us, if it has been lost in history, then if we start with God as the reason we have scripture, then God obviously did not want us to have that book. So sola scriptura, as it regards the canon, is just a trust and a belief that God gives us scripture. It all starts with God. That is so important. And therefore, he will control history and preserve the artifacts and the manuscripts and all that stuff so that his people always have his word. 
Now, does this mean that we throw out history? Absolutely not. But the method which I determine what Scripture is must consider the theological implications first. It must start with God. If I start with that, then I believe that the canon of Scripture I have today is exactly what God intended me to have. Now, another phrase Protestants will use is to say that Scripture is self-authenticating. Michael Kruger says this in the book Canon Revisited, quote, If the canon bears the very authority of God, to what other standard could it appeal to justify itself? Even when God swore oaths, he swore by himself. And this is a reference to Hebrews 6.13. So Kruger continues, Thus, for the canon to be the canon, it must be self-authenticating. A self-authenticating model of canon would take into account something that the other models have largely overlooked. The content of the canon itself, rather than looking only to its reception or only to its origins in, in like like looking at the history basically is what it, Kruger is saying here this model would in a sense let the canon have a voice in its own authentication and so end quote now I know that that got kind of wordy there but basically some people try to approach the question of what is the canon of scripture from a strictly historical approach that is we just look at the history and see how the church used certain books and when a general consensus came about and and that's fine and the historical evidence certainly play into my decision on what I believe the the scripture is. But the main question is, why? Why did those groups arrive at these conclusions historically? Am I looking at historical data as the ultimate authority? How about what church councils conclude? Are the church councils my ultimate authority? No, because scripture is God-breathed, and I believe God worked through history to preserve his word. I'm not laying this down as ultimate proof, but it's interesting to think about. Think about this. In general, all religions which consider the Bible to at least be some source of authority in their religion, they all agree on the Protestant canon. Now, many religions will add their own books to the mix, whether it be the Book of Mormon or the Apocrypha, but the Protestant canon is pretty much uncontested. It's like everybody knows that it's Scripture. Sure, these other groups will want to add more in, but there's not much effort at all to take out books that are in the Protestant canon. Now, why do you think that is? Why are those books so secure in their acceptance? A Catholic certainly cannot say the same for the Apocrypha. In a previous episode, I gave several examples of prominent people in the Catholic Church who rejected the Apocrypha as canonical, even, even a cardinal in the Church just a few decades before the Council of Trent in 1546 declared, the, declared infallibly what books were in the canon. So without considering it to be infallible proof of a canon, it is interesting to think about that the Protestant canon just seems stable across all of these different religions. Now, as a side note, I've got to mention, you know, I've mentioned many great things about Martin Luther in previous episodes, but I must point out that Martin Luther's view of the canon is certainly a mark against him. He called James an epistle of straw and, and preferred books of the Bible he thought were more gospel-centered. Now, although Luther is generally a hero among Protestants, many Protestant theologians readily admit that Luther was wrong on some issues regarding the canon. But here's the thing. Luther isn't the Pope. He's not infallible in the Protestant mind. We can look at his teaching on justification by faith alone and say, wow, that's consistent with what Scripture teaches. And then we can turn right around and criticize Luther for other issues. 
issues. And that's the beauty of sola scriptura. Everything gets compared to scripture. We are not stuck defending the infallibility of certain individuals or groups. Everything that they say is held up to scripture. So I didn't go into a ton of detail there, but scripture is considered self-authenticating because there is no higher authority that scripture can appeal to to prove itself. So for a lengthy discussion of this, check out, again, the book Canon Revisited by Michael Kruger. Another thing I want to mention is a, a great question that James White asked Patrick Madrid in a debate on Sola Scriptura. And, and so, Alex, I'll give you the question and explain why I think it's such a, real, a, a good one, and it, and it helps clarify the Protestant position on canon epist- epistemology, or how we know what the canon is. So during the cross-examination part of the debate, James White asked a very, this very good question. How does a God-fearing Jewish man living 50 years before Christ know that Isaiah and 2 Chronicles are Scripture? That was, that was his question. Now, here's Patrick Madrid's answer, and, and he's the, the Catholic participant in the debate. Quote, the Jewish man of the 50-year period before Christ knew that was Scripture, that First and Second Chronicles was inspired because the Old Testament church, the Old Testament people of God, regarded it as Scripture. It had the official pedigree of coming from a prophet, and it had always been regarded that way, so he would draw not only on what was his internal testimony— of what those books say, but he would also base what his position was on the constant teaching of the Old Testament people as well, end quote. Now, here is why this is a great question. The Jews, or as Patrick Madrid referred to them as the Old Testament church or the Old Testament people of God, they did not have the teachings of Jesus or the apostles, of course, 50 years before Christ. So they didn't have the apostolic tradition that the Roman Catholic Church appeals to so frequently. Jesus had not come yet. So according to the Roman Catholic model of canon, how can a person know what Scripture is without the Roman Catholic Church? Also, the Jews rejected the Apocrypha, which are books that the Roman Catholic Church says are infallibly part of the canon. So when Madrid says that the Old Testament church tradition is how the Jew knew what Scripture was, Patrick Madrid is being very inconsistent there because the Old Testament church did not include the Apocrypha in their canon. But the Roman Catholic Church says that it is part of the canon. So Therefore, according to Roman Catholics, they would say that this Old Testament church was wrong. And they they are they are not infallible. They they are wrong. And so how can this how can uh a a Old Testament church that is not infallible tell this Jew what is scripture? How does he know? You know, it's not based on this infallible knowledge by the Rome, that the Roman Catholic Church says you must have in order to know what Scripture is. So I know this is sort of a, a deep concept here, so maybe you have to go back and listen to that again. But uh, anyway, the, the either way, the reason that this hypothetical Jew, 50 years before Christ, knows what books are Scripture is is not in agreement with the way the Roman Catholic Church tells us we can know what Scripture is. So the Jew, 50 years before Christ, knows what Scripture is, but it, he, it cannot be based on any sort of infallible decree from Jewish tradition or anything like that, because the Roman Catholic Church says the Jews are wrong about what is Scripture. So again, just just hopefully that came across clear. 
<laughs> Maybe not. But so when Jesus comes along 50 years later, he holds the Jews accountable to know what scripture is and the proper interpretation of it. Again, Jesus said in Matthew 22, 31, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? If Jesus expected people to know what is and what is not scripture before any kind of apostolic tradition and before any infallible church decree, why can't God reveal scripture the same way today? If the only way we know what scripture is is through the Roman Catholic Church infallible decree, and that was made in 1546, then why do so many early church fathers appeal to scripture as their basis for various doctrines in the church? If they did not have an infallible scripture at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, then how could they possibly make a decision about the deity of Jesus Christ? A simple look at church history will show that the early church fathers argued from Scripture as if it had ultimate authority long before the Roman Catholic Church told us what books are in Scripture. So how does the Roman Catholic Church know that the church is infallible? Let's kind of turn the question back on them. How does the Roman Catholic Church know that the church is infallible in its declaration of the canon or or any of its other declarations for that matter? It's because the church says they are. You see, as a Protestant, I am saying that God will reveal Scripture to us. And how do I test any claim uh, to Scripture? Well, Scripture is self-authenticating. Well, it's and it's kind of a circular argument, right? Scripture is Scripture. Why? Because Scripture says so. That's kind of a circular argument. But if it's an ultimate authority, I can't appeal to anything higher than Scripture. So, so that's, that's why it seems circular. But if Scripture is God-breathed, then there is no higher authority. It is directly from God. Roman, the Roman Catholic Church does the exact same thing. The, they say the church is infallible in regards to discernment of what, what is Scripture and, and also the interpretation of Scripture. And, and I would ask, you know, says who? And the Roman Catholic Church says, well, Scripture and tradition tells us that the Roman Catholic Church is infallible. And I'll say, well, I don't see that in Scripture, and I don't know what, what tradition is because you won't tell me these acorn you know, apostolic teachings. And the Roman Catholic Church will say, well, that's because you're not interpreting Scripture the right way. And so how do I know what Scripture is saying and what the apostolic tradition is? It's because the church tells me so. So it's, it's the same thing. Anytime you get to an ultimate authority, the argument for that authority is going to be circular. Why is Scripture the ultimate authority? Because Scripture tells me so. Why, is the, why did the Roman Catholic Church you know, claim that the church is the ultimate authority? They say because the church says so, because they're the ones who tell you what Scripture means, and they're the ones who tell you what tradition is. So again, it is sola scriptura or sola ecclesia. The Mormon missionary on your front doorstep says the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, and we have an active prophet of God in Salt Lake City that confirms that infallibly. Now, what's the difference between the prophet of the Mormon church and the Roman Catholic church claiming to infallibly declare what is Scripture? How do you test them? How do you test their claim? How do you know which is telling the truth? I trust God to reveal the truth about himself, and I believe he has done that through Scripture. In our closing verse, Psalm 118.8, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Mm -hmm.